Amen. Amen. I have a friend named Gail, and she's really good with horses. As her hobby, she will get on a horse and enter competitions, and she will gallop the horse with a bow and arrow drawn with two arrows, and she'll run by a target, and she'll go, and nail the target. It's amazing. She'll compete with other people who have the same skill set. And needless to say, as I've watched her train the horses, she needs to have the horse aligned with her will, right? If you're going to do that type of hobby, you're really going to need to be on the same page as the horse. And I found it fascinating how sometimes she will motivate the horse in different ways. <clears throat> I've seen her, for instance, sometimes be very comforting to the horse and stroke the horse right here on the jaw to get the horse to do something. Other times she uses a rider's crop where if she cracks it this way, the horse will go that way, right? Other times she might have a little nudge of the stirrup, or she might put some treat, a sugar or an apple, and lead the horse. Just fascinating at how many different ways there are to motivate a horse to do something. And as I was watching her at one time, I thought, I'm a lot like that horse. There are a lot of different ways that I can be motivated to doing something, and corporately, I feel like we're the same way. What might motivate you might not be what motivates you into action, into doing. So I think it's really good to consider this when we think about living life in the kingdom during this wild pandemic. Because most of you probably feel like we're still kind of just treading water. Right? The kids are in virtual school, and it's all that I can do to get them all plugged in, not to mention what would it be like to reach beyond myself during this time. I talked to a friend this week. He said, commissions from my business are 25% down. And so he's thinking about that. He needs motivation to live in the kingdom. You know, I can't go anywhere because my son was at school, and another school person Tested positive, and so now everybody is maybe at risk, or Thanksgiving was canceled, who knows about Christmas, everything just feels so different. How in the world are we supposed to be motivated to live in the kingdom? On top of that, we come to church today, like we do every year, and we find out it's Missions Sunday, okay? <laughs> what does that mean in a pandemic? How in the world could we go? What would giving look like? Each year we connect missions with Advent because Advent means coming. Jesus came, and we want to link that with the reality that he came, not for just one people, but for the entire world. I'm thankful at this time that we are in a sermon series called Praying the Psalms, right? Praying the Psalms. We've been teaching over and over again, how you can use the Psalms to actually pray to God and have impact during this season. It really is the one mission activity that we all can do during this season is to pray, pray. And so today we're going to use Psalm 65. If you want to turn with me to Psalm 65. And I want to see how Psalm 65 can spur us on to praying for missions. 
Psalm 65. I've even got a specific, very practical homework assignment for you. All right? Your homework, your challenge, your mission, if you choose to accept this. It won't self-destruct, don't worry. But take Psalm 65 every day this week and spend just a little bit of time in prayer with Psalm 65, praying for the nations. All right, understand that? We can all do that. Open it on your phone, open it up during the week, just a little bit each day. Pray to God from this psalm and pray for the nation. That's the assignment. Now I'm going to give the explanation here as we walk through this psalm together. What we're going to be looking for specifically, as I mentioned, is noting how you might be naturally motivated and tying your natural motivations into praying for the spread of the gospel throughout the world. All right? I'm asking you to lean into your passions. I want you to play this game right-handed. Do what you love to do and think about what you love to do and turn those into prayers for mission. Let's talk about how we might do that. Here's the first point. Let's think about justice, all right? Let's think about justice. Because when it comes to missions, you must realize that God is being cheated. God is is being cheated across the whole world. Now, some of you are just hardwired for justice. You can't stand it if somebody is treated unfairly, all right? Just think about your reaction to this uh, little story here. This week, my family was involved in a hit-and-run accident. Everybody's okay. Nobody's hurt. The car survives. We're fine. But just think about, maybe this has happened to you, you're sitting in a red light, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're nailed from behind. You're like, oh, you look back, you communicate with the other driver, hey, let's pull up out of traffic. And he's like, sure, and then, boom, he's gone. (laughs) Some of you, that's just like, oh, it eats at you, even though nobody was hurt, everybody's fine. Guy had his reasons, I get it, but something Someone is not going to get what they deserve in some way there, and it's just like, ugh. It's been my dubious distinction to be referee at several PCC men's flag football games. I know some of you are wired for justice because when I make a mistake, I hear your feedback. Come on, ref, you missed it. I don't deserve this, right? And I get it. Some of us are just naturally prone to think about someone getting what they deserve. If that is you, I'm asking you to turn that desire this week into praying for missions. And here's where I get it. Look at verse 1. It's a justice verse. Verse 1 says, Praise is due to you, O God, in Zion, and to you shall thou be Perform. Here, David the writer is focusing on what God deserves. Praise is due to you. Oh God. David's saying whatever other words I sing in this beautiful song, 
Let me start with this. Let me get this straight. God, praise is due to you. He deserves it. Now, if you skip down to verse 9, we'll see a little section, 9 through 13, where David poetically rehearses one out of about a million reasons God deserves praise. All right, you're meant to read this section and ponder the greatness of God and say, yeah, he does deserve to be praised. Now look, read with me, verses 9 and following down to 13. God, you visit the earth and you water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks and the valleys deck themselves with grain. They sing, shout for joy. Only God does this. That's how you respond to hearing that. Only God can do it. And he and he alone deserves the praise for upholding all of creation. He talks about upholding creation here, but he could just as well have gone on and on about God's beauty, his mercy, his patience, his love, righteousness, his greatness, his innate goodness. He could go on forever talking about how great God is. And the psalmist said, he deserves to be praised for this. But here's the fact that is central to our missions thrust at TCC. Here it is. Among much of the world, today, God gets zero praise. None. Here's some statistics. Listen closely. Of the 11,700 people groups in the world, what's a people group? Well, that's a sociolinguistic group, an ethnic group of people. There are over 11,000 of them in the world today. 3,056 are still unengaged and unreached. What do I mean by that? Well, unreached means that they're an indigenous church there, but they're not doing evangelism. Unengaged basically means nobody's even trying. So we have 11,000 people groups Over 3,000 of them, nobody's strategizing. Nobody's there working to plant churches to serve and praise the living God who is due to be praised. Above all else, this must be our chief motivation for mission. God must be exalted to the entire world. Anything left is a catastrophic injustice. David knows this. He's trying to get it out to us. Jesus knew this too. Listen to how Jesus speaks in Matthew 5.16. He connects missions and all other Christian service to the just cause of God being worshipped. Here's what Jesus said. Let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and do what? Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You know, it wasn't long ago that there was a basketball phenom named Zion Williamson who played locally. 
here at Duke, when he was in high school, Zion just blew up on social media. And he did it because he was one of the best dunkers we'd ever seen. And he started dunking and filming himself. And then he would put it on his own Instagram. And all of a sudden, kids all over the nation started following him. Here's an interesting fact. When he arrived at Duke University, the Alabama football program, one of the biggest, most successful football programs, had about 750,000 Instagram followers. Duke, where he played, had more. They had a million Instagram followers. The moment Zion Williamson stepped on the campus at Duke, he already had 2.2 million Instagram followers. More than the two biggest programs combined. Why is that? Well, the people voted. This guy's dunks are so good that they deserve to be shared and he deserved to be praised for his dunking ability. That's the line of thinking that the psalmist has here. When David's writing this, there's the idea of deserved praise to God. It's due to him. And it's not just David's concern, it's the other biblical writers as well. We are to fight the injustice of God being ignored by sharing his glory. And it's all over the Psalms. I'm just going to read a few of the Psalms so that you can get the feel for the heart of this book. Psalm 9, 11. We read, sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the people his deeds. Psalm 105, 1. Make known his deeds among the people. Psalm 96, 3. Declare his glory. Where? Among the nations. His marvelous works among all people. Psalm 96, 7 through 10. Ascribe to the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. You're to be an ascriber. You didn't know that today. You are to be an ascriber. Give God all of the glory, not just here, but among all of the nations, so that he will be praised. The glory of God deserves to be known. I recently talked to one of our international workers from TCC. Now, you've got to realize these stories are a bit general because I can't share their names. If I share their names, there's a security concern. But I'm talking to one of them just this week and asking how's it going. He's working in Asia doing church planting said, what's up? How's it going? He says, it's going okay, but we're under lockdown here. There, interestingly enough, if you're locked down in that part of Asia, you can only ride with two people in your car. So he's got a family, and he has to take his kids separately to get their hair cut. He can't take two kids at the same time. So he has his own lockdown pandemic issues he's dealing with. But I was asking him about the church there, because when we visited there not long ago, we were involved in some church planting there. That's a wonderful leader there, a pastor who has not lost hope. And he said he's made some advances in getting his church together during the pandemic. And they are so excited, the leadership team, because they have a chance to make God's glory known. In that region, 56% of the people there are Muslim. 3% are Christian. And yet this guy's on fire because he knows in his little way he can advance the glory that God is going to get through church planting there in that remote part 
of Asia. It's also working to educate local pastors. It's a good work. Now let's bring it home. How does this relate to a series about praying the Psalms? Well, I'm just asking you to settle in with Psalm 65 this week. Read these verses during the day. Hone in on verse 1. Praise is due to you. Then you can remember all the workers that we have. This week in my neighborhood, uh, my neighbor had an accidental fire in his yard. A yard fire. It's okay now, don't worry, but it was spreading towards his house. I have no idea how the yard fire caught. I don't even know if he knows. But as he noticed it, some of my family members ran over there, but he went and got his little garden hose after he called the fire, and he was spraying it. And then the fire department came pretty quickly, and they got out the big giant hose, you know, and it, it was out in a second. This is a picture I want you to have as you pray for the nations. The nation's global denial of God and His glory is not the only fire of injustice in our world. I get it. But it is raging. And so I'm asking you to turn your hose of prayer and pray that God would save these people. We can pray like this. God use our Bible translation team who are working in Asia to increase your glory. Praise is due to you. Lord, we're training pastors in Nepal and on Asian islands. May these pastors know how you reign. Praise is due to you. God, we have a TCC family who's preparing right now to go to Central Asia. They're hung up, but they're going to leave soon. And they're going to plant churches by sharing the gospel. God, let people hear that and praise your name. Praise is due to you. Take your love for justice this week and turn it towards praying for international missions. Here's the second point. First point, love for justice. Pray that God will get the praise he's due. Secondly, this might surprise you. Some of you, during this time especially, have been made aware of your own fearfulness sometimes, right? Fearfulness. God can use that. If you're walking around a lot of times and feeling anxious, feeling a little fearful, feeling a little concerned about how things are going, God can use that as you are praying for the nations. Fear can be a good motivator. If you're driving 55 around the back roads, sharp curve comes up, you slow down, not because the yellow sign says 35, it's a curve, you slow down because you don't want to run off the road. That's fear. Right now I'm training my son to walk, he's a first grader, I'm training him to walk to school. We have a school, it's only eight miles from our house, <laughs> joking. <laughs> it's in our neighborhood, it's fine. But I'm training him because as you walk down the sidewalk, Every so often, you have to cross the road. And when you cross the road, there's three ways you can get hurt. A car comes this way. A car can come this way. A car can come this way. So we're looking three ways. And I'm not training him to look three ways because of a love of learning. No. <laughs> I'm scared he might walk out and get nailed. And this can be a motivating factor. 
How does this relate to missions? Well, look in verse 2. David's still praying here. David prays this to God. Oh, you who hear prayer, that's God. Oh, you who hear prayer, to you all flesh shall come. All flesh come. When I read this, I got some chills down my spine. Why? Because as you read the Psalms, clearly David is looking globally. And when he pictures the nations in the Psalm, that is every ethnic group, all humanity who rebels against God. Therefore, because of their rebellion, a day of reckoning is coming. We see it in Psalm 10, 16, where we read, The Lord is king forever and ever, and the nations perish from his land. In the New Testament, this vision of judgment is clarified. At the end of all days, God will call all peoples to himself. And they will kneel, some out of joy, some out of spite, where all will kneel before God. And these people will be judged on whether or not they worship the true God as God or if they worship something else. There's a judgment coming. Revelations 11, Revelation 11, 18 says it very clearly. The nations raged, but your wrath came. And the time for the dead to be judged, you're looking forward where all dead will be judged. And for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, those who fear your name, both small and great, they will get a reward. Those who fear God will get the reward. Eternal life. And for destroying the destroyers of the earth. There will come a time of destroying for all who do not worship Jesus Christ. Of course, if it makes you feel uneasy, connecting fear and missions, remember Jesus talked this way. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body and hell. Fear him. There's a, there's a connection between fear and the reality of hell. Folks, I fear for the three billion people across the world who do not worship Jesus Christ. There's punishment coming. There's a destroying coming for all who do not follow Jesus Christ. Just look for a minute at COVID-19. I don't claim to know which case numbers and which death totals we should be looking at, but I did read in the New York Times this week, so far 1.5 million people have died in COVID-related deaths. I don't know if you trust the Times, that's not my point. My point is when you hear numbers like that, it's really, really tragic. Think about the number of years that have been cut short from someone dying with a COVID-related death. 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, 50 years, cut off from someone's life. And now, if you dare amplify that by the billions that are currently going to die forever 
because they're not hearing about Jesus. Not just have 10 years, 20 years, as awful as that is, that's tragic. But all who do not see Jesus will spend eternity dying apart from Him. That's a motivator. I want these people to go to heaven. I'm scared they're going to hell. You know, my first experience with wearing a mask all the time wasn't here in the pandemic. Uh, We took a short-term mission trip once to the Middle East. Um, We were working in Afghanistan at that time, so I was there for about 10 days. And while there, the men, uh, because it was so dusty and because of some tradition, the men would wear the gaiters up, and so we would have masks on, and the women had to be fully covered, uh, all the body, full head covering, and so we lived for 10 days like that, and it was, it was just weird. But as we were there, at that time, there was a war in the south, so we stayed away from that in the north, but it was kind of scary. And when we went to this town, it was ravished by disease. The Red Cross had set up a permanent tent there because disease was so bad, the water quality was awful. And then, if you remember, back in the 80s, Afghanistan had a war with the Soviets. They invaded for 10 years They were ransacked by war. So we went out, and we went hiking up this hill, and there are tanks still on the mountains in this town in Afghanistan that the Soviets used to shoot down. And then I looked over at the shepherds, and the shepherds have to guide their sheep through a live minefield because the mines from the Soviets are still alive there. I was like, man, there's danger everywhere here. And I talked to the local missionaries. I said, come on, man, what are you... What are you scared of the most? You know what their answer was? I'm most troubled by the fact that this entire society is going to hell. They're neglecting to praise God, and there's a judgment coming, and it's absolutely tragic. That was their biggest fear. So, again, I ask the question here, how... How does this matter to me as I'm praying through the Psalms? Well, think this way. Sometimes it's easier just to narrow things down. I heard this week that in the United States, over the next 10 years, the Muslim population will increase. By how much, you think? Next 10 years, how many more of your neighbors are going to be Muslim? The size is going to increase predictably by 77% in 10 years. There'll be 77% more Muslims. Let's start praying now about that. Let's start praying that God will show himself to the IT professionals who are moving here, to the engineers who are moving here, so that God will spare his image bearers from the wrath that they deserve. Let's pray now. It's the second motivation. Some of you are motivated by justice. Some of you are motivated just by fear or concern. Here's the third motivation that comes up in this psalm. Third motivation here is results. Jesus is the only solution. Some of you guys are natural problem solvers. You're wired that way. Like that old joke I heard, a man comes into the pastor's office and he sits down and he says, Pastor, help me out. I need you to solve my problem. 
God's given me this dream that I'm a teepee. And the other moment, I have a dream I'm a wigwam. I'm a teepee and I'm a wigwam. Pastor, help me. And the pastor says, I got your solution. You're too tense. Wait for it. It'll come. Some of you are problem solvers. Husband, if your wife comes home at the end of a long day and she's pouring her heart out to you and she's emotional and she's just looking to you and your reaction is, how can I fix this? How can I make it better? I get it. It's because you're wired for solutions. may not be the healthiest approach, but that's a different sermon. God can use solutions people in praying for missions. Look at verse 3. The reason God can use this is because we have a clear problem that I just mentioned. The nations are headed for destruction because they're failing to praise the one true living God. Verse 3, he introduces the solution to this problem. David's praying, when iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. That's good news. Notice here first, the switch between me and our. See what David did? He said, when my, when my sin gets me down, when iniquity prevails against me, either he's thinking about his own sinfulness or others' sinfulness, you atone for our transgressions. He's broadening it to everyone, not just him. Atonement. David was thinking about atonement, and in the New Testament, it becomes clear that this deliverer that David was waiting for, that was represented in the Old Testament sacrificial system where guilt had to be removed, clearly it's only Jesus Christ who atones for the sin of David and anyone else who comes to him in faith and repentance. Only Jesus can atone for transgressions. Now look at verse 5. This is beautiful. Verse 5. He's still praying to God. By awesome deeds, you answer us with righteousness. All right? How does God answer transgressions with righteousness? How does that work? Shouldn't transgressions be answered with punishment? Well, they were in that Jesus was punished for all of his children and his righteousness was placed upon you so that you now can come into a relationship with God because of the righteousness of Christ. And David doesn't stop there in verse 5. By awesome deed, yeah, that's an awesome deed, the cross and the resurrection, you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation. And then he lays it on. The hope of all the ends of the earth and the hope of the farthest Sees. David knows there's only one solution, and it is the righteousness that God gives. David doesn't have it all figured out, but as you read the rest of the story, that's only Jesus Christ. It's amazing. Only he is the hope of all of the ends of the earth. This week at TCC, we've been looking into some roof repairs because we have an old roof. 
got lots of problems. I went up there with an expert in roofing. And he's looking around and he's like, well, I'm not sure what the source of your problem is because you have a lot of issues. Your roof is slanted here, okay? Your membrane is broken here, all right? It caused some cracks over here, okay? A lot of troubleshooting doing to solve the problem here with our roof, and that's fine and that's normal, but I guarantee you this, there's no troubleshooting needed in international mission. There's one solution, and God has given it, and Jesus Christ is the solution. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except, that means there's only one solution, except through me. There's your motivation for praying for missions. Man, all you fix-it types, this is something we can fix if we get Jesus to the nations, and this week you can pray for that. We have the solution. Why not give that solution to all of those who are on a trek towards eternal damnation? This Thanksgiving, like some before it, we stayed home in my family. We didn't travel, like many of you. We gave it a lot of thought, a lot of prayer. We decided to do some of our Thanksgiving day outside at the park, and so we had, uh, in a safe way, some students, four students from NC State over. They are in this unreached category, which means there's not a church big enough where they're at to do the work of church engagement. So we had these kids over, and they're great, fantastic guys, love to eat American food, thankfully. Uh, so we had a great meal, we prayed, we exchanged culture, we went out and played football. They beat me at soccer, we taught them football. It was a really good time, but there was one point in the conversation where I just said, let me tell you guys what I'm thankful for. And I taught them about God's creation and the fall, redemption in Jesus, and the glorious new creation that's coming. And I told them, not like Hinduism, there's only one solution, and that is Jesus. I'm praying that you will see Jesus. Here's a practical way you can pray this psalm this week. Consider praying it with your kids. A lot of parents here. Consider praying this with your kids. Every time you sit down to eat together, maybe read just a little bit of this psalm, and you can make the connection, the connection that Jesus himself made, just like everybody has to eat all over the globe. Everybody also has to come to the bread of life if they are going to live eternally. You can pray very quickly at mealtime and involve your kids and begin to expand their awareness of the global need for the gospel to go forth. We've talked about being motivated by justice, a fear, results-oriented. Here's the last one in the psalm. How about being motivated by joy? Because Jesus will satisfy all those who come to him. Jesus will satisfy.
satisfied. We have a Christmas tree out here. It's beautiful. I don't know if you saw it when you came in the foyer, but pandemic will not take away our Christmas tree. And I was here earlier in the week, and some of the students from the Learning Center who were here during the week, they were gathered around it, and they were just remarking, oh, that's pretty, that's nice. This is, this is a great-looking tree. Um, and so I texted the team that put it up here for us, and I said, they're liking the tree. And one of them immediately texted back, and she said, it just gives me so much joy to see them liking that tree. Some of us are just wired that way. If you're the person who anonymously leaves gifts on people's porches and then runs away just because you want them to open the door and see it, if that's you, this verse is for you. If you go all out on Christmas morning so that your kids will be happy at Christmas time, it's because you love to see other people enjoying themselves. For you, I just say, through missions, people can attain the highest form of satisfaction in Jesus Christ. David knows that as he's writing this. The Spirit has inspired him to write this in order to teach you. Look, verse 4. David's celebrating the utter joy of coming into the presence of God. He said, blessed is the one you choose and you bring near, God, to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. And just in case we're tempted to believe that David was only having himself and his satisfaction in view, look at verse 8. He expands his praise. So that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe of your signs. You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. You make creation shout and you make those at the ends of the earth shout for joy. As before, we see this theme of joy for the nations in several places in the psalm. I'll just read a couple of them for you. Psalm 47.1, psalmist says, Clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. If they meet Jesus, they will be satisfied. Psalm 67, verses 4 through 5. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. And then in Psalm 67, look at this. Psalm 67, 1 and 2. There's a notion here of the transference of joy. Look at this. Your delight in God is supposed to be passed on. The psalmist says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. That's the joy in Jesus, right? His face is shining on you in Christ. And then next verse 2, he says, So that your way, God, may be known on earth. And your saving power known where? Among all nations. That's the idea of taking the love relationship you have with Jesus, sending it forward so that it will be known among all the nations. You've been given joy so that others may also treasure Christ. 
Here at TCC, as we saw in the video, we partner a lot. We partner with the International Mission Board to do missions. We recently received a progress report from what's going on through uh, missionaries in North Africa and the Middle East. And listen to this. This year, they were excited to report they saw over 4,500 people come to Jesus. That's a big deal. Now, they've been working with those people, a lot of people they're working with over a long time. But 4,500 people came to Jesus. And so they were sharing in this report what method they use to share Christ. And they said, the missionaries there said, we go out to uh, the coffee house, the barbershop, the cafe, and we just sit and we intentionally do life. And we try to talk with people. And then they listed some questions that triggered a gospel conversation. The very first one they listed, what do you think it was? It was a person who did not know Jesus coming up to a believer and saying, I'm so glad I met you. There's something different about you than other foreigners that I've met. It's the idea that they can see a joy, not perfection, not that you never have a bad day, but you can see a joy in a believer and it's attractive and they want that joy. Not just in evangelism either, also in discipleship. There's one story from the same report about a woman named Amal. Amal came to Jesus by a sermon online. So she's living in a Muslim context where nobody meets for church, right? But she somehow heard a sermon online and she prays to receive Christ and she's there as a believer by herself for a year and she decides, I know there's got to be Christians somewhere in this city. I want to have fellowship for the first time. And so she seeks out and finds two of our international workers and they sit down with her and they do a Bible study over and over. And one day they come to a Bible study and the idea was about prayer within that study. And they asked her, would you pray for us? And she said, no. I've never prayed aloud. Not to Jesus. I, I can't think of that. And the missionaries, through patience, were able to teach her how to pray aloud to her Savior. And they got to see it. The first time, joy swept over her face in saying and praying her Savior's name out loud, there's no greater joy than seeing someone come to Jesus and walk with Jesus whose whole society is against the true living God. How then did we pray the Psalms? Well, David gives us a lot of help. Maybe slip it in with some other Advent celebrations. I was talking to one of you this week, and they were telling me just about their nightly Advent celebration. Slip in this psalm and pray for the nations. Pray that God's glory will be seen in Jesus. Praise is due to you. Pray that billions will be turned away from hell because all flesh will come to God and His holiness. Pray that the atonement of Christ will be seen as the only solution for man's salvation. He's the only hope for all the ends of the earth, and pray that God will satisfy in Christ all peoples who come to him, that they will shout for joy. I've seen enough Christmases in my life 
My hair is just gray enough to know when you're talking about prayer, it's sometimes easier caught than taught, right? And so as we close our time, I just want to pray through this psalm with you for the nation. The type of prayer that you can pray. I just want to demonstrate that it's not, you don't have to be a professional, you don't have to be technical, you don't have to have fancy prayers for world missions, but these prayers must be, we must be praying for international missions. So if you're still with me, I'm just asking that you would look at this psalm, read it to yourself silently while I pray through it for international missions here at TCC. So let me close this in a prayer through this psalm. Let's pray. Truly, praise is due to you, O God. Lord, as one man said, we grieve over the fact that there are still many places in the world where we could parachute in and walk for weeks before finding one person who would give you glory. That grieves us. God, praise is due to you, so empower our Bible translators to finish the course. Oh God, you who hear prayer, to you all flesh shall come. We tremble at the notion of nations coming to you for judgment, but then we rejoice knowing that Jesus has given himself for all who turn to him in faith and repentance. Though our iniquities should prevail against us, you atone for our transgressions, O oh Lord. And this glorious atonement is big enough for all of the earth. Blessed are the ones you choose and that you bring near God to dwell in your courts. For better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. And God, let those in China and Turkey and Kathmandu and Japan and Central Asia, Malaysia, Kabul, Larga, Moldova, let all of those be satisfied. In Jesus, God, it is by awesome deeds, like the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that you answer us, O Lord, with righteousness. You and you alone, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and the farthest sea, you are the only one who by your strength established the mountains. So gird up our international workers who work as medical support agents. You're the only one who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves. So I ask you in Jesus to still the tumult of the peoples. Let the gospel go forth in Central Asia with our worker family that's fixing to leave so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe of your signs. And Lord, make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. And Father, as you visit the earth and you water it, you greatly enrich it. Likewise, water our theological education team with hope in you, O oh Lord. For the river of God is full of this living water. God, across the globe, you provide the grain for the farmers. So I pray you provide shelter and peace and justice for all those vulnerable kids in Moldova. God, as you soften the earth with showers, Soften their tomorrows with the loving tears of our team on the field. God, as you crown all creation in your bounty, as the pastures of the wilderness overflow, as the hills gird themselves with joy, as the meadows close themselves with flocks, as the valleys deck themselves with grain, 
so too may the nations shout for joy in Jesus. Father, do this through the prayers and labors of your people. Amen. Amen.